It's great to have you online wherever you are. I want to welcome those from our Church of God family. And I know uh, we have many of them watching from around the country. Uh, it is so good to have you. We are family. It's our network of churches. And it's so good to have you with us this morning. Welcome to this place. You are welcome here. Uh, just a couple quick announcements as we get going this morning and continue worship. Uh, the first one is this, our house churches. We've made a few uh, small adjustments to our house churches this week. And uh, we're learning as we go. There's some connectivity that we want to create even while we are uh, practicing some physical distancing and some isolation. We want to do some things uh, that help us connect. And so tomorrow morning, McDowell, you're going to be receiving a, an email from your neighborhood pastor. And there'll be some instructions there, some ways that you can get connected. Uh, you'll find a blog there, but there are a number of ways to get connected. We want to help you do just that. Um, in a few minutes, uh, as we head towards the end of our service, we're going to be taking communion together. So that's the path that we're on today. And so no matter where you are, if you want to take a few minutes uh, to get ready for that at some point this morning, uh, grab some bread or some crackers and make sure you have that handy. And then also grab some juice or some wine or some water and have that handy. We're going to be moving in that direction in just a few minutes. Now, uh, the current cultural reality that we're in uh, has created some economic challenges, and uh, many of our churches around the country are, are walking through this together. And uh, McDowell, we want you to know that we're making some decisions, making some changes, uh, doing the best we can to steward the resources God has given us in a way that honors Him. So many of you have been so faithful in your giving, and we simply want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Um, we know many of you are not able to give right now because you've had some changes in your life, and we want to be here to stand with you, to stand in the gap. So as we've said from the beginning, if you'll reach out, let us know. We'll do all that we can to help you during this season. We, we like to give during worship because we believe it's an act of worship. We turn our hearts and our minds toward God, and we want to give him everything that we have uh, as an act of obedience. And so you can give online wherever you are if you want to do that. Uh, mcdowell.church slash give. If you're watching from another church, uh, we want to encourage you to support your local church. It is the work that God is doing in that local body. So we want to encourage you to continue to partner with that church financially to the best of your ability. Now, today is Palm Sunday, and uh, this is going to be a holy week uh, like none of us have ever experienced. I mean, many of us, if you think back to, to Holy Weeks in the past, we've, we've had different kinds of services throughout the week. We've, we've started Holy Week with Palm Sunday as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, and it's always an exciting day. Uh, we usually sing a song that includes the word Hosanna. I don't know if you've noticed that in the past, but uh, yelling Hosanna or singing Hosanna, which means God save us. Uh, it's something that would have been said back in Jesus' day. Uh, we usually have kids who sometimes walk through the sanctuary waving palm branches, hitting parents in the head, uh, cutting themselves on the prongs that are on the palm branches. Uh, but we don't have that this year. And usually during Holy Week on Thursday, we, we celebrate communion together. And in some places, we celebrate foot washing. We, we practice that as an act of servanthood just as Jesus did with his disciples on that Thursday night, the night that he would be arrested. Then on Friday, many of our churches around the country and around the world would normally celebrate um, Good Friday services or Black Friday services where we remember the death and um, almost that feeling of hopelessness that maybe the disciples would have felt. 
And then we move towards Easter and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to do that. It's just going to be a little bit different this year. I was thinking about Palm Sunday. And uh, Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus would have left Bethany. And he would have traveled over the Mount of Olives, down through the Kidron Valley, and then up to Jerusalem and entered the gates of Jerusalem. And people would have been surrounding him. And uh, there were a, a number of us just about a month ago, we were in Jerusalem, we were in Israel, and uh, I took a couple of pictures because I wanted to remember this. And this first picture that we're, we're gonna show you is a picture from the Mount of Olives. And we stood on the top of the Mount of Olives. It was our first full day in Israel, and we looked over the city, and we got a little bit of a glimpse maybe of what Jesus would have seen in, in, in some way. Now, the city looks totally different today than it did back then, but uh, Scripture tells us, the Gospels tell us, that Jesus, when he looked over Jerusalem, he wept over Jerusalem. Like he longed for the people in that place to know the Father's love. And he knew that what he was on a path to do was to redeem and reconcile all people to his heavenly Father. So we stood on the top of the Mount of Olives. We looked at the city. And then we walked down a path that might have been like the path that he took on that Palm Sunday. And we got to the, the bottom of the Mount of Olives into the Kidron Valley. And this next picture is a picture looking up at Jerusalem. It gives you an idea of maybe of of how Jesus would have then looked up at the city. Now, the city would have been packed with people. Uh, people would have, pilgrims and, 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 and the Jews would have gathered from, from all over to celebrate the Passover meal. So the city of, of Jerusalem would just be uh, breaking forth with people, probably tents set up in the valley there. Uh, Jesus probably would have at some point gotten on that donkey and started riding up into Jerusalem, into that east gate. You can see the east gate um, uh, in the place where it probably was. He, he, he came up that, that, that uh, incline into the city to screams of Hosanna, God save us. And people would wave palm branches and lay those palm branches down. Now, Sometimes what's lost on us is the significance of that day. That Sunday, that Palm Sunday, for many, would have been the day that they would have selected their lamb that would just a few days later be sacrificed for their sins. And it was as if Jesus was saying, as G, or God was saying, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, this is the perfect lamb that will be sacrificed for you. Now, what the Jews were looking for was a little bit different than, than what Jesus became for them. Because in their minds, they, they felt that like they were oppressed by the, the Roman Empire. And in their minds, they were looking for a Moses or a David who would lead them to some sort of military victory so they could have their land back. So when they yelled, Hosanna, save us, they were looking for a military victory over the Roman Empire. Those palm branches, uh, the, the symbol that we think oftentimes means peace, for them was a nationalistic symbol calling them to return to their roots, the nation of Israel. And so in many ways, waving those palm branches would have been an uprising, a rebellion against the Romans. It was an interesting day. Palm Sunday, a couple thousand years ago, 
Jesus comes into Jerusalem with his mind fixed, knowing that he would give his life for us. Aren't you thankful for that today? And so today, on this Palm Sunday, we're going to sing another word that would have been known back in that day, and that word is hallelujah. We're going to raise a hallelujah which is a praise to our Heavenly Father for all that He's done. And so if you know this song, uh, we invite you to sing along with us. We want to raise a hallelujah. No matter what it is we're facing, the darkness that may seem to surround us, for God is with us. Yeah, so Father God, we, we raise a hallelujah to you for what you accomplished a couple thousand years ago and this constant reminder by your Holy Spirit that we are yours. God, you are good. We are thankful for your love and your grace and your mercy and your hope and your peace. Thank you for Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen, amen. and amen. Yeah. So we've, we've been in this series um, that's called The Gospel. And... What we've been looking at is, is the good news that is Jesus. Uh, the gospel writers, those who wrote and recorded the stories of Jesus, tell us that there's something that's so good. It's a proclamation of the goodness of God that we find in Jesus. So we've been spending just a little bit of time zeroing in on what does that mean? What is the gospel for us? What is it for all of humanity? And we began with this, this simple idea, the gospel in one word is Jesus. Jesus is good news. Uh, for, for all of humanity, for all of time, in this, this sense, this feeling that we were distant from God, that we were separated from God, the, 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 the idea that Jesus came to be with us, that God in the flesh came to be with us, that in itself is good news for us today. And then we looked at the idea that uh, the good news in three words is, is simply this, that, that Jesus is Lord. The idea that, that God understands us and knows the world better than we do. And when we submit ourselves to Jesus, when he becomes the, the, the Lord or the leader of our lives, everything changes. That it doesn't remove all the challenges of life or all the circumstances of life, but rather we're able to uh, walk into those challenges and through those challenges in a completely different way. We literally move from a place of death to a place of life, and that is good news, that Jesus is Lord over all, our lives, the world, the universe, and he's reconciling all things to himself. And then uh, Bruxy gives us uh, the gospel in 30 words, the gospel in 30 words. And uh, I know some of you are going to start making little marks to make sure I get the 30 words correct as I go through this. So here we go. Jesus is God with us. Thank you for that. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. Save us from sin. Set up God's kingdom. And shut down religion. And we've been walking through one of these uh, the last few weeks. You can go back and watch online. And, and then the question becomes, why? And it's so that we can share in God's life. Like the good news of Jesus, the idea that he gave us a picture of who God is. If we want to see God, we, we look to Jesus. We get an image of, of his love in, in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. 
Uh, he saves us from sin. He makes up the difference, the gap that separates us from God and from one another. Like Jesus makes up the difference. He, he sets up God's kingdom. He plants little seeds of the kingdom all over that begin to sprout and grow and expand God's way and his will into the world, these relationships that are made new. And then he shuts down religion and religion being whatever it is that we believe gives us right standing, our own efforts, our own abilities that gives us right standing with God. He wants to shut that down and say, cut it out. You don't need that because of me. And, and, and the reason is because he wants us to experience the life of God, which is ruled by love. And so this, this process of walking through the gospel has been giving us a better idea, some more insights into what God has for us in the world in which we live. And it's an interesting question given the current reality of our world and the challenges that we're facing. I mean, we're facing some, some health crises that we've never faced or has been, you know, years. None of us in the, in the current world have seen what we're seeing right now. The economic challenges are simply building up in front of us. And so we begin to ask, what is it that God wants or has for us in the world? What difference does it make? Will I ever be able to get through what it is that I'm currently facing? Um, so Bruxy says this, that Jesus said he came to give us life, eternal and abundant. God wants us to share in his life. And that life is pure love. We were made by love, like God in his, his essence is love. We were made by that love, we were made to love, and we were made for love. Like love is at the center of everything. And God doesn't want us to live in fear, but in love. He wants us to, to experience his love and his peace and his hope in all things. And as Bruxy says, uh, this is the goal of the gospel. The goal of the gospel is not to remove us from the challenges and the circumstances that surround us, what seem to be overwhelming, but the goal of the gospel is that we might experience life with God in his life and in his love. And this is a game changer for all of us. This is good news for every single one of us. Now I'm in this guy's group and uh, there, I have some friends and we've been reading through scripture together. And we've been recently reading through the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And there's a couple phrases that just kind of catch my mind and give me some ideas of, of, of maybe how I could live in a similar way to, to Jesus or how Jesus might want me to live given the current circumstances. And the first one is a simple passage that we, we, we might would just pass through. It's found in Luke chapter nine. And it simply says this, as the time came near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his mind to go to Jerusalem. Just a simple little phrase, that Jesus set his mind to go to Jerusalem. Now I want you to think with me for just a moment, the challenges that were ahead for Jesus. A physical pain that none of us have ever experienced. Humiliation, like Jesus knowing what was ahead of him, set his mind on Jerusalem. He resolutely set out. And the entire rest of the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, gives us this journey where Jesus knows exactly where he's heading and why he's heading there. He set his mind to go there. 
He had clarity. And then the second passage, which I think kind of leans into this idea of clarity of mind, um, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he's arrested, he's praying and he prays this prayer. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. But I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus had in, in many ways fixed his mind on the will of the Father. And the will of the Father being his love, being made known to all of humanity, you and me, anyone who has ever lived, so that we might be reconciled with God and, and, and experience the life that he has for us. Again, the life of love and joy and peace, kindness and patience. Jesus set his mind on this goal, going to Jerusalem, willingly laying down his life. And as he approached it and was overcome, as many of us, maybe with some questions, and he, he opened his, his heart to the Father and said, if, if there's any way for this to be taken from me, Father, take it. Yet, not my will, not the easy road, but I want your will to be done. So as followers of Jesus in today's world, we often find ourselves wondering why we have the circumstances surrounding us that we do. We often want to walk away from the circumstances or find an easy way out, the, the, the road of, of less resistance, right? So that we can experience what we think is peace. Um, there's a passage, the book of Colossians, uh, Paul, who's one of the very first Christians, is writing to early group of Christians who are probably wondering a similar thing. And he says this, he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, so here's this idea of setting your sights and your mind on something different. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. Now, I think we could read that and, and, and assume that what Paul was saying is ignore the realities of the world around you. Don't even think about the realities of the world around you. But I don't think that's what Paul's saying. I don't think that's what Jesus did. Jesus knew what was ahead of him. He acknowledged what was ahead of him. But his mind was so fixed on the will and the purpose of the Father that he was able to walk through those circumstances and achieve what God had put there for him and in front of him. And so Paul writes, since you've been raised to new life in Christ, set your mind and your eyes on the realities of heaven. Don't ignore the circumstances, but understand and see the circumstances in a new framework through the lens of God's will and God's way. Set your mind on the things of heaven. Um, one of the reasons I think this is so important is because I believe that our mind oftentimes is the leader to our life and our behaviors. In other words, where your mind goes, so goes your life and your behaviors. The things that you fix your mind on, eventually your life and your behaviors will come to follow those things. Um, I have some friends who are cycle, cyclists. They like to, to, to ride bikes. 
Um, Harry and Diane in Fountain Hills are the ones who kind of got my mind moving in this direction. And they've invited me. Uh, they own a bike shop out there. It's a great bike shop, by the way. Um, McDowell Mountain Cycles. And then uh, I had some other friends, Tyler, who is a, is a mountain biker, and he wanted me to mountain bike with him. And Ryan is a, is a cyclist, and he wants me to ride with him. And uh, Evie and Tim Reset, who are incredible, uh, they'll ride you into the ground. Uh, so don't ride with them. It's a little bit scary. But so I, I've been getting a little bit into cycling. And I'm, I'm a novice and don't know much about it. But I've learned something in riding bikes. Um, I used to think that when you're riding your bike, especially on the road, that if you see something on the road up ahead of you, that the way to avoid whatever it is that you want to avoid is to focus on it. And what I've learned is that's the worst possible thing that you can do. That usually where your eyes are fixed and where your mind is fixed, the bike normally ends up exactly where you're focused. Does that make sense? Are you with me? I think the same thing happens in life. Where we fix our mind is where our, li our life and our behaviors eventually follow. And so I think Paul is encouraging us to be very careful where we fix our mind, to set our minds on things that are above. Uh, the author of Hebrews says it this way. We do this by fixing our eyes. The, the, the way that we get through the challenges and the things that tend to ensnare us in life, we do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, in terms of like the practical side of this, like what do we do with this? What does it mean to set our, our sights or our minds on what's above, on heaven? Well, Paul continues, and he writes this, and I think this is such a good word for us in, in, in the current circumstances that we're all facing. He says this, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together. And then let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Now, I want you to think about the current circumstances of our world. He says, clothe yourself with love. Let peace rule in your heart and always be thankful. And always be thankful. So three quick questions to go with each of those. Love. Love. What does love look like right here, right now? In other words, what, what does love compel me to do? Now, if we're driven by fear, if our mind is focused on fear, we, we tend to want to protect ourselves, to take as much as we can to support ourselves and to build up something around us to provide some sort of, uh, um, so, some sort of protection. But love sometimes requires us to give up that very thing that we think provides security to someone else. It's been inspiring to see some people, uh, some friends, those around the community who are willing to give up something that they have for the good of someone else. Well, that's what love is. Love lays aside self for the good of other people. Love says that even though I might want to go do something for the good of the community at large, I'm not going to do that right now. That's love. So he says, clothe yourself with love. So what does love look like right now, right here? Peace. Am I, uh, am I gonna be paralyzed by worry and fear or by faith and the, the work of the Holy Spirit, will I find peace 
and rest in the midst of the circumstances that surround me. It is easy in these days to be overcome by fear and anxiety, which simply paralyzes us. But when we set our minds on Christ and the realities of heaven, we allow that peace to become what rules our hearts and our minds, no matter what circumstances we face. And then, becoming thankful. What are we thankful for? I mean, we, we, even in the current setting, we have so much to be thankful for. And it's easy to lose sight of that, to forget that, to focus on other things. But when we focus on the realities of heaven, when we fix our mind on Jesus, it allows us to see and recognize the goodness and the grace of God, which is all around us. And it begins when we see Christ. And so maybe this week, your mind and your heart has been running in so many different directions, and maybe fear and anxiety and worry has been ruling the day in your life. And so we want to encourage you, as we begin to, to work towards communion, we want, to, we want to encourage you to turn your mind and fix your sights on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. And to, to be reminded that the, that the one who began a good work in you is not through yet. He will continue to work in you till the day of Jesus our Lord. So we're going to sing. And uh, this might be a good moment for you if, if you need to slip away and get some crackers or bread and juice. And, uh, and then we're going to turn our mind toward what Christ did for us. That final night that he spent with the disciples. A reminder of his body which was broken for us, his blood which was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So, Father God, we thank you for the story of Jesus that is good news to this world. We thank you that Jesus set his mind on what you had called him toward, that he willingly laid down his life so that all humanity might be reconciled to you. We thank you for that prayer in the garden that said, God, if, if this could pass, that would be awesome, but not my will, your will be done. We thank you that Jesus walked a path that none of us could walk to redeem us, to move us from death to life. We thank you for the love, the love of a father who would go after the one who had wandered away, this reckless love that you have for us. We thank you for Jesus. So I'm not sure uh, where you are today when it comes to a relationship with your heavenly father, but I do know there's good news for you. No matter what stands between you and him, whatever you imagine being that gap, Jesus is good news for you today. Because what Jesus accomplished is something that none of us can accomplish on our own. And I want you to know that today, you can be reconciled and made right with God because of Jesus, and that is good news. So we come to this table and remember what Jesus did a couple thousand years ago, and it wasn't just something that happened in the past, but it is something that happens today for all of us. Jesus had gathered with his disciples for the Passover meal and within that meal, 
as he was working through the different things at the table, he found a piece of bread and he broke that bread and he gave thanks to it and he looked at his disciples and he said, take this and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. And no matter where you are today, you can take a piece of bread and be reminded of a sacrifice that makes up for everything that you don't think you have in your life. It makes up the difference. So we take this, we eat, and we remember Jesus. And then Jesus, continuing with the meal, comes to a, a cup of wine and he thanks God for it and he, he passes it to his disciples and he said this, this is a, a symbol of a new covenant that God is making with all of humanity and this is sealed in my blood. And so he says, take this and drink and remember. So Father, gathered around this table, we remember, we celebrate the good news of Jesus. God with us. Come to show us your love. Come to save us from sin. To set up your kingdom in this world. To shut down religion and our attempts to get back to you all so that we might share in your life of love god we thank you for that we receive that we step into that life by faith in jesus we give thanks to you for him and it's in his name that we pray amen so this week May you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. And may you find in him news that is good. May you clothe yourself with love. May you allow peace to rule in your heart. And may you give thanks in all circumstances. We're so thankful that you joined us today. Grace and peace to you.